The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag glue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holy to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 31, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We'll put the full video up on our YouTube, Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be available as an audio podcast as well. Search Liberty Blue on your favorite podcast podcast platform and it should be there give the show that shiny and illustrious five-star review on our podcast and spotify it helps the show way more than you possibly think it does at liberty blue pod on twitter and instagram i'm at chelney andrew c-h-e-l-n-e-y andrew alongside nick zararis nick z-a-r-a-r-i-s those are our personal handles to follow as well nick well until last night that was fun we we've been asking at the end of every episode you got to keep getting four out of every six points if you're playing three games a week you got to get at least four out of six if you're playing four you want to get six out of every eight Uh, just simple math the way the division is shaking out maybe we can start to say that we don't have to worry about the islanders as much but washington we're still worried about pittsburgh not as good the last couple weeks but still a team to worry about just based on pedigree based on the fact they have mike sullivan things of that nature they have a talented team they haven't performed like it but the devils are first in front of the Rangers ish in terms of consistency and Carolina is definitely ahead of the Rangers in terms of consistency. That's been the biggest story for the Rangers all season long. We don't know what team we're going to get every single night. They played Minnesota really well last week. They played Dallas pretty well in a game that they probably deserve to lose, but they managed to steal. That's always good. And then yesterday they just slept, they sleepwalked. They slept walked against Montreal. Words are hard. Sometimes you got to think about words <laughs> in your head. They're like, is that a yeah. word? No, they slept walk yesterday against Montreal. While most of the world was watching the giant game, including me, I, I went and watched the highlights. I was mostly focused on football, watching the first giant playoff game in six years. It's been quite a while. That was a lot of fun, but at the Rangers, I think it's safe to say we don't know what we're going to get on any given night from this team. And part of that is just the nature of hockey. It's very high variance. Things are very fluky and streaky. All it takes is one player getting hot at the right time to influence a whole season. I was reading a very interesting thread today. Somebody was writing about the Canucks because they had a press conference today where they were talking about the state of their team. They want to retool, not rebuild. And somebody in there had said, All it takes is one goalie playing above their weight and you get a hundred point season out of it. And suddenly a team thinks they're a lot further along than they actually are in their process. And I couldn't help but feel that kind of related to the Rangers where I feel like if last year didn't go as well, they're probably not in the market for a Vinny Trocheck in the off season. They probably opt for something a little more cost effective and begin more of a gradual ascension to try and get to where they got to last year. But because things went so well last year, they feel they're a lot closer than maybe they actually are. There's a lot to talk about. Let's dive in. Montreal game, another one of those frustrating ones. The Rangers love doing this with goalies, with small track records especially. If you've played less than 20 games in the NHL and you're trying to get good stats, play the Rangers. That'll do that'll do numbers for you. You want to play the Rangers 41 times a year if you are a backup goalie so your agent can go into your arbitration hearing and say, we gave up four goals in 42 games. Give my man his money. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to disagree with you a little bit on what you said on on Trocek and all these things. Because I, I do feel like because Vinny Trocek was available and because the Rangers liked him regardless of that series against, uh, you know, when, when the Hurricanes did play the Rangers, I think the Rangers would have signed him anyway because they needed a center and they were like, well, Vinny Trocek is good at hockey, so we'll sign him. I think, I think even if the Rangers didn't make the conference finals, I feel like they're... In their in their head, the thought process of letting more years of 
Panarin and Zabinijad and Kreider and and just can go to way go to go to the wayside didn't really gel with them. I feel like the Trocheck signing and these signings would have happened anyway, or at least if if not them specifically, maybe maybe similar players to that to, in that vein. I do still feel like they would have been big buyers at free agency. But in terms of Montreal, yeah, I mean we tweeted this last last night. This is another one of those situations where the Rangers. One big against two solid teams earlier on in Minnesota and Dallas. And then they got to Montreal and in their heads, they were like, oh, well, we just beat really good teams. Uh, we could we could just handle Montreal. It's fine. And then they came in and they got dumpstered in the first period. Shesterkin really saved the day a lot, a numerous times throughout the night. And I was I was watching the Giants, but I was I was flipping back and forth as well because I'm a psychopath and I'm watching the Rangers and Montreal game as opposed to the giants winning the winning their uh, wild card game which i was watching that as well but i was i was flipping back and forth i was watching the rangers handily lose to a really bad montreal team as well which i don't know how you let that happen if you're Gerard Gallant or anybody on the team but that's neither here nor there this is another one of those situations where the rangers uh, there's a there's a stomach bug going around and i understand like they're not they're maybe not 100% and they don't they some of the players feel sick and all these things but th- these are games you need to get points out of how can you go and you how can you go beat good teams only to just lay an egg against a really bad team like you have you have to if you if you're doing the hard work do the easy work as well why why do they come in and just assume they were going to win and 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 play like that like you you can't do this this is the NHL no matter how many wins a team has no matter how bad a team has played coming into your game you still have to play your game in order to win that's how the NHL works and the rangers didn't do that and they lost shocker okay so one of the big picture parts of this that me a few other people i've seen talking about this on twitter and a few people i've seen write about this is the rangers don't really have that preferred style they want to play down yet every single game they're kind of piecemealing it together based on their opponent and that's kind of why they're inclined to play down to their opponents or play up to good teams and part of it is rooted in that galant wants them to minimize risk as much as possible that means dumping in the puck going to get it. That means playing the puck like a grenade in the defensive zone, just get it out of the zone, worry about getting it later. The entire ethos of Gallant with this team has been minimizing risk and trying to play low event games. First problem, the Rangers defense is not suited to play low event hockey. They do not have shot suppression specialist defensemen. Their best shot suppressing defenseman is Ryan Lindgren, who plays with Adam Fox. And Adam Fox does suppress scoring chances against because he has the puck. When Adam Fox has the puck, he can do anything he wants on the ice. He bends the game to his will. He won, I would say Adam Fox won them the Minnesota game last week by himself at points, forcing that game along, setting up the game tying goal, scoring the goal by himself when they were down 2 nothing to get back into it. But other than that, they don't really have the defenseman to play a shutdown, low event style and counterattack. That's the ideal way Gallant wants to play. Absorb pressure, take, let the other team take bad shots from the perimeter, from the point, get the puck, go the other way fast with speed. They don't really have a ton of speed on the wing to go forward. Their best transition players are Panarin and Zabinijad. Other than that, everybody else is still either slow or just not well-suited for that type of game. And because they've gotten better defensive results the last couple of weeks, they have conceded less. Part of that is just they've played some bad teams and been able to take advantage of that. But there is... I, I see what they're trying to do. They just don't have the personnel the way they want to play it. The, the whole point of playing these low event games, and I've been trying to think of the exact right metaphor to use to explain it. So hypothetically, you're playing your fourth, your first line against another team's fourth line. You would assume your first line is going to be able to outplay the other team's fourth line more often than not. That's the general consensus you would expect more often than not. If you're playing your first line, against another team's first line, but your first line has better players, you're going to assume that your better players will be able to beat the other team's better players. And playing this low event style of hockey dictates that one or two plays are going to more likely than not decide the outcome of the game. That will decide the big picture result of the game. A handful of plays. And Gerard Gallant is banking on having Zabinijad, Panarin, Fox, Kreider when he's healthy, being able to out our guys are better than you against most teams in the league. (coughs) Excuse me. And against most teams in the league, 
that'll work against, a, I would say, a good 21, 22 teams in the league. The Rangers can just say, our guys are better than your guys. And more often than not, in a low event game, that will work. The Rangers run into issues when their guys can't get anything going or if their guys are not the best guys on the ice. You think about how well the Zbigniew line, how well the kid line, how even how well the Panera line played in the playoffs last year up until they got to against Tampa. And then Tampa said, okay, you think your guys are better than our guys? We'll take that bet. And Tampa said, we can play low event hockey. And they out guys them. It sounds very simple and like basketball to reduce it to your five guys versus my five guys. But that's the whole idea here behind playing this low event style of hockey. And the Rangers just don't have the talent to do that all of the time. They are not a Colorado. They're not a Tampa. They're not one of these teams. They're not a Toronto even. They don't have the high-end talent that plays at a, in a style that is easily replicable. And the Rangers still haven't really found a foothold in how they want to play. Well, one of the problems with that is they don't generate five-on-five offense. You can't, you can't create a style in which you play five-on-five in if you're Offensive players don't create enough five on five scoring chances. Last season was the same issue. And now this season hasn't changed. You need players, especially your top six that can at times when they want to take over a game at even strength, pretend the referees aren't there. There's going to be no power plays for your team. How are you going to create offense? The Rangers don't have that kind of player that can say, get out of my way. I will score a goal tonight right now. That's it. Like they don't have that kind of player. And, uh, you know, Panarin has played very well, but so far this season, we haven't seen a lot of that get out of my way. I'm scoring a goal for you right now. I don't care who's in my way kind of play out of him. He's, he's played well, but but when you're paid that kind of money, you you do expect to see some kind of, you know, superstar. Everybody else stinks, but me, I'm going to score eight goals tonight kind of vibe out of somebody like him. And I'm not trashing Panarin. Like Panarin has played very well, but nobody in this offense right now has that mentality of, Give me the puck. I will score. I am score. Like there's nobody right now that that can that suits that. And the Rangers looked for that last season. They sort of got it occasionally with with Mod and and Cop and all those and Vetrano sometimes. But the Rangers once again are in the situation where they can't score five on five. So how do you build an offensive system out of a out of a roster that can't really? putting goals at, at, at even strength. They need to figure out how to generate offense there so that they can, so that they can then be like, okay, in order to score, here's what we have to do. Here's our game. So two, two points off of that. Number one, their best player at doing that is a defenseman, which is part of this issue. Their best. Yeah. I'm going to make a play here is Adam Fox. Yeah. He can do that. My favorite thing that Fox does aside from all of the magic walking the line and the, the eye in the back of his head to always make the right pass is when he has the puck in the neutral zone, he sees an opening and says, okay, I'll make the zone entry for myself. Whoever's behind me, catch up on the play. And we're going to go to the net because they do not have enough guys who just put their head down with the puck on their stick take speed and go to the net and adam fox is not a fast guy he is not a fast straight line guy but he has the willingness and the hockey iq to recognize he has enough space and just go for it and the other part of that is they the problem they have to unlearn habits they have been doing for years we have been talking about this forever everybody who does content everybody who covers the team the last three coaches every single one of them has complained that the team does not just go to work sometimes they don't get the puck below the goal line they don't cycle it out to the point they don't look for rebounds deflections etc it's a lot harder to generate your offense when you are only getting scoring chances off of the rush when you're getting chances off of the rush if you're playing a team that plays a deep defensive line it's gonna be hard to get around them to generate offense with speed when the rangers the best line the rangers had all playoffs last year in terms of consistency was that kid line because they would get the puck down low lafreniere was playing with a nice four checking game he was going to get the puck kaka was on the half wall they were able to facilitate 
Keto is just ripping shots, which has carried over. There are so many little things that go into why the Rangers are what they are right now. I would love to say the answer is as simple as this or that. It's a bunch of things. The, The biggest thing I would like to see, the biggest change, I think that would make sense. I would like to see Heedle get some run with Panarin because I just don't think Trocek and Panarin work. We've talked about this a few times now. And with the offense as kind of muddled as it is right now, it's time to experiment a little bit here. Like you've said, they need to find ways to be more consistent at five on five. And Hedo is somebody who will take the puck to the net with speed. He is somebody who will just shoot if you put the puck on his stick. And I think if you put Trocek with Kako, with Lafreniere, you'd have an opportunity to maybe have somebody a little better suited to play with them. Or if you wanted to play Kako with Zabinijad and Kreider again, then you would have to figure out, well, do we want to play Trocek with Lafreniere and with VZ or whatever? But right now, there needs to be more of a willingness to try things out that aren't in the coach's comfort zone. And that's the thing. The comfort zone is fine. Where he is right now, I mean, they're relatively speaking fine. I think they're like 8-2-1 in their last 10, 11 games, something like that. They've played pretty well in the last month. But if they want to get to where they think they are, they need to be better because there is no guy you could get at this deadline this year that's going to take this team over the top. It's going to be on the guys who are already here playing better and adding someone to this group. Because right now, this group is maybe a first-round win if they get the right opponent, and then they're out in the second round against the Carolina, against the Boston, depending on which side of the bracket they went into. One of the things that the Rangers love doing, and this is not necessarily a go-on issue because it's been happening for multiple coaches out, is that they will get a four-on-two, and they will pass it nine times and not get a shot on goal. Like they, they absolutely love nothing more than trying to create the ESPN top 10 highlight of getting the eight passes and getting the goalie way out of position. And that's an easy tap in. They love nothing more than that, as opposed to what other teams who score more goals at five on five do, where they will just fire it at the net and send everybody on the rush at the net straight away because when you do that if you take if you for example shoot low and it goes off the pad and you go and there's a rebound and it, and it there's it creates commotion in front of the net what does that do that creates uncertainty for the goalie and for the defensemen that that are trying to break up this rush if you have let's say a 3 on 2 or a 4 on 2 what have you if you don't if you don't see a, a perfect passing lane throw it on the net just shoot for a rebound shoot for anything as long as you just don't shoot it high and wide, like some people on this team love to do, just hit it, just hit the net. If you just if you hit somebody, there's going to be a rebound, and everybody else who didn't touch the puck on that odd man rush just crash the net. And more than likely, that a lot of times that's how a lot of teams that are playoff bound generate a lot of their offense. It's off of that secondary tertiary opportunity in front of the net, as opposed to getting that perfect crisp pass or that perfect clean shot. Yeah, some of those do go in. If you see the opportunity to to do that, then by all means, but forcing the pass six times back and forth and then ultimately getting zero shots on goal. That's not how you score goals at five on five. That's just not how you do it. You, especially on our man rush, you need to get a shot on goal. You need to generate some kind of offense. And if you're not seeing that perfect crisp, sports center highlight real play at least get it on net and have the secondary ter- tertiary or uh, there's no word for fourth player but the fourth the fourth player out there just just dr- drive and crash the net get the rebound see what happens you know what's funny about that what up until last year the NHL did not exist on SportsCenter's top 10. So they, they were just doing it for fun under John Tortorella, <laughs> they were, under Ale yeah. Mignot and right. David Quinn. That was just that was just for fun. That right. was oh, I don't want to shoot. No, you shoot. Like those obnoxious <laughs> people in every teenage rom com. No, you hang up first. Well, no, you shoot right. first. Somebody <laughs> shoot the puck, please. Please. My children are starving. <laughs> please. One shot on goal. I beg. Yeah. Oh, okay. So one thing I want to touch on from the games last week. This is what we mean when we say inconsistent. They pulled a victory out of their ass Thursday night against Dallas. They had no business even getting to overtime in that game. First of all, I'm very glad Ke'Andre Miller is getting the opportunities he does. Second, please get the man a real defensive partner. I beg, get him somebody who compliments his skill set because 
Truba just freelancing in the neutral zone sets K. Andre up for sets him up for failure when yeah. you're constantly having to be the last guy back in two on ones. It's a real challenge. I understand that he's the captain. He makes this amount of money. Schneider's outplayed Truba. He he flat out Schneider has outplayed Jacob Truba. It will make Truba more effective if he plays less against lesser opponents. That's just simple deployment 101. You want to make him play better, reduce his workload until he starts playing better. But as far as something I would like to see, this is something we could talk about in terms of the second power play. I know last week we had said we'd like to see them reconfigure the power play units and Kreider getting hurt kind of forced them to do that. Something I've been a proponent of and I've seen a few people suggest I would like to see the Rangers do with Keandre Miller on either the second power play or on the first power play. What the Bruins did with late stage Chara, park his gargantuan ass in front of the net. <laughs> do not let the goalie see the puck and have him play the stick. Because whenever Miller scores goals, it's in those scrambles around the net, those deflections, those only he is there because he's six foot five and skates like somebody who's about half his size. He has the ability to do that utilize your players' best skills. Instead of harping on what they're not good at, maximize what they are. It, this stuff is, it's very reductionist. And I talked about this, I think last week when I was reading an article about the NFL, where they were talking about good coaches, they, they find a way. If you're complaining about the players as a coach, that they're not playing the way you want them to, or they're not meeting your expectations, that's on you. You're their teacher, their guide. You're supposed to be the one that gets the results out of them. In the football world, when people do stuff like that, they get made fun of. In the hockey world, they get the pat on the back because yep. that's how it was when I played hockey. My coach was miserable to me, and he made me hate my existence until I played better. We can be positive reinforcing. We know positive reinforcement works better than negative reinforcement. There are psychological studies on this in children, in adults, in workplace settings, in social settings. We know that this works. And hockey is lagging behind exponentially in a number of categories, but but let these younger guys cook. If you lose trying, I would rather that. This it I know we sound like we're doing the greatest hits this episode because it's the same problems that have been all well, season. Fix long. them and we will stop talking about it. It's the same problem. The thing yeah, about it's the, and you it's, and you're right. It is very frustrating. The thing about the Miller Truba pairing is on top of Truba just being bad at defending, is that like Keandre Miller is an offensively minded player. Why? Because he spent most of his career playing forward. He he understands timings and and how and when to push the play and and properly and all these things. You need to pair Keandre Miller as you talked about with somebody that can either or make hopefully both either cover for him when he you know, pushes back, pushes deep in the offensive zone and you need somebody there to kind of be the anchor or someone that can complement his, his, style, his style of play and, and play off of what he's doing on that particular play. The problem with Jacob Truba is that he's also all offense and no defense. So you're playing somebody that is better than 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 your partner. Kendra Miller is better than, at Truba at defense and also at at, at offense, at both ends. Kendra Miller, I feel very comfortable in saying that, is better than Jacob Truba. So when Kendra Miller is as deep in the offensive zone and Jacob Truba is not looking at what could happen if the puck goes the other way, he's looking at how do I contribute offensively? That's the that's the biggest cons problem with that pairing is that both of them think offensively. So when you have Keandre Miller, who's deep in the offensive zone because he's good, he has good offensive IQ and he understands what, what to do with the puck deep in the zone. You need your secondary defensive partner to to basically anchor the blue line and be like, hey, if the puck suddenly goes the other way and there's an automated rush or whatever, I need to be in the best possible position in order to prevent that. Ryan Lindgren does a phenomenal job of this when he's paired with Adam Fox. Adam Fox obviously is, is incredible at, 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 both, at both ends of the ice, but when Adam Fox is deep in the offensive zone, Ryan Lindgren is not thinking about how am I going to score? He's thinking about if the puck is going the other way, where am I in relation to everybody else so that I can prevent a scoring opportunity? Jacob Truba does not do that at all. My man's is somewhere thinking about the next goal he's going to score or the next shot he's going to take that's going to hit the stanchion or something because like, it's not it's not going to hit the net. Let's be honest with ourselves here. Jacob Truba, when he shoots, it's not hitting the net. It, it just doesn't happen. So 
that's one of the biggest concerns with the with that second pairing is that you have two players that are very like-minded in how they play except one player is very very noticeably better than the other one but they 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 just play the same style so Kendra Miller is deep in the puck with the, deep in the offensive uh, the offensive zone with the puck but instead of true being like okay my defensive pairing is deep is like is in the trapezoid fighting for the fighting for the puck i have to hang back and and prevent a possible two on one the other way. He's like he's also getting in the trapezoid. So there's nobody back. Like that's that's one of the biggest concerns with that pairing, which is the the, the another issue there is okay. Well, if you move Truba down to the second pairing and you move Schneider up, for example, Schneider's kind of the same way. He's a little he's better defensively for sure than Truba, which is not saying a whole lot right now. But Schneider also is a little bit more offensively minded and he tries he tries to get the puck in and he does all these things. So where do you put Truba with Ben Harper? I please, I beg, I beg. Please no. Please, please no. I, I am on my knees right now. Never. I, I please. If there's one thing that I ask for, no Harper Truba Perry. I beg of you. Okay, so to answer your question and how I would solve this problem, this is something Rob Luker has been proposing for the better part of two years. This is something I have been proposing for the better part of two years. And Gerard Gallant knows it works because he did it two separate times last week. When the Rangers were chasing a goal, he put Fox and Miller out there together and said, go get it because he knows that's his best two defensemen for that kind of situation when they need to be able to generate offense because Miller can get anywhere on the ice because of his reach, his speed, and his size. He is one of the longest players in the entire league. He can take up a lot of space. He can play good defense because of his reach. With him and Fox together, you've got a suppressor and a chance creator in Fox. You've got Miller who can freelance anywhere on the ice because of his ability. And if you play lingering with Truba, you give Truba a defensive partner who is going to cover for him when he decides to take those shots. That And something we've talked about, and I want to reemphasize here, when you take a shot that does not hit the net, more likely than not, the other team is going to recover the puck and take it the other way. That is a turnover. It does not get recorded as a turnover, but in terms of the outcome of the game, that is effectively a turnover. When you miss the net, the other team's defenseman recovers the puck, they gather and break out going the other way. That is effectively a turnover. When the Rangers get into this trap of shooting from bad areas, Usually those are the games where the defensemen are taking a ton of shots from the top of the circles, from the top of the point. Those are not good scoring chances. So like, yeah, the Rangers generated 40-something shots on goal in the game against Montreal yesterday. They had 20-something that got blocked at different points on the way. Just the little details in this in the way the team plays tells you how hands-off Gallant is because it's still the same crap. It's still the shots from the point, the shots from outside, nobody going to the net, nobody cycling, nobody in front of the net off of the cycle. If you want all of those shots from the point, you got to have someone in front of the net or there's really no point in taking that shot other than just getting rid of the puck. These are little things that are correctable, and we just haven't seen the Rangers show a willingness to either change the combination so that they stop happening or change how they want to play. They still don't know how they want to play, and we're in, what, the third week of January almost? It's a real befuddling situation that nobody seems to realize this isn't exactly working. And it's because they're getting good results more often than not. They're not necessarily having good process, but as long as they keep winning four out of every six standing points, six out of every eight, etc., nobody's going to be inclined to change anything. They're going to be inclined to say, all we need to do is play that much better, get one more forward in here, and we'll be fine. I don't think that's the case here. If you ask the Carolina Hurricanes, what kind of style do you play? They will tell you what kind of style they play because they know the kind of style they play. A style that that doesn't let you get anything going offensively. And if they have the puck in the offensive zone, it, the puck is getting thrown on net. They will not pass it 17 times. They will, if they have the puck in the offensive zone, it's going on net. That that is their strategy. They they have a plan in place. They know what it is, and they execute it game in and game out. It reg- sometimes it works. I mean, a lot of times it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, hockey is a, a weird, silly, stupid 
beautiful sport. Sometimes it just it sometimes it just do be like that and it doesn't go your way. Whatever so th- things happen, but that Carolina Hurricanes, for ex- as just an example, understand the system that they play it. They know what to do, how to execute it, and how to play within the margins of that game plan. If you ask the New York Rangers, what kind of game do you play? What is the system in which you play? Do they know? Do the Rangers have an idea of what the of what they do? I understand, like they they love to to cycle and they love to dump and chase and and do all these things. But from uh, you know a sixty minute perspective, what kind of style do the Rangers like to play? Because it, it seems like you you take a look at how they play against one team and it's one way. You take a look at how they play against a bad team, and it's a whole different way. How they played against Dallas and Minnesota is not how they played against Montreal. They did not employ the same system game in from, from one game to the next. That at, at the core is what is causing all of these red flags for this team. They don't know how to play from one game to the next. They are switching, or at least it might not be a, a of an active switch. It might just be a passive, like, Hey, you know, we're playing a different team. Maybe we'll play a little bit differently here and there at certain spots, or it might just be subconsciously. I don't think actively Gerard Gallant is going in the locker room and be like, Hey, here's a whole different new a book of how to play against Montreal versus anybody else. I, that's not, that's not happening obviously, but they are playing a different style of hockey and the Rangers kind of, I don't, they don't know what their system is game in and game out. And until they figure out what it is for sure, we're going to be seeing a lot of these ups and downs. I'd like to make an addendum to that. They know what the system is. They do not execute the system more often. (laughs) I would like to make an addendum. I know that they are very individualistic hockey is a very execution individual in terms of execution we're like you know football basketball you have rigid drills you have set plays and stuff hockey has principles and has rules where you get the puck in this situation it should go here if you get the puck in this situation it needs to go there hockey has very different types of interpretations of how you execute your system the rangers we know what the rangers want to do they want the other team to shoot from crappy areas they want to spring on the counter and when the counterattack isn't there, they want to dump it and go get it. They don't do that consistently because A, they're not rigid enough in it. They're just flat out. They do not play the same way every single night, which I think is more to your point. It's not necessarily that they don't know what the system is. They just don't execute the system more often than not because they fall into the habits they've gotten comfortable with because the, the habits have gotten them this far. They are in a playoff spot right now with these bad habits. And we're advocating to fix these bad habits because they could be a, pr- a pretty good team if they fix these bad habits, if you get more consistent results. The Simple things, the bad turnovers in the neutral zone. What we were talking about before we started recording, the icing in the first three minutes of the game that is entirely unforced because the defenseman is trying to send a stretch pass 110 feet as opposed (laughs) to skating 10 feet. Take 10 steps, break out from behind your net with a little bit of speed and wait for a forward to definitely be open as opposed to sending a prayer up the ice, hoping it gets tipped in and then they go get it. The the little details are where the Rangers run into these issues because those little details or where you find out who can repeat their system over and over and over again. Those dump and chase teams like Carolina, like Calgary, they can run the same play over and over and over again because they're going to do the same thing every single time. It's going to go down low. They're going to cycle it out high. If there's space in the middle, the person at the half wall is going to skate it to the middle. The Rangers, if they gain the zone with speed, somebody might break to the net. You'll get that pass cross seam. If nobody's open, they'll cycle it around to the half wall. If nobody's there, they'll send it back down. And there's no real consistency like i was watching the bruins play the flyers today every single time a bruins defenseman recovered the puck in their own zone they moved it within half a second that might be anecdotal evidence and like yeah i looked down i looked at my phone at various points but anecdotally every single time i looked up at the bruins recovering the puck in their own zone and setting up their breakout that puck was gone in a second or two there was not hesitation there was clearly somebody on the receiving end of the pass not just oh there's somebody kind of near that pass that is a team that knows what it needs to do every single time it touches the puck the rangers i am not convinced know what they need to do every single time they have the puck and you can see it in the way they play where sometimes they're 
very like I don't want to say aggressive, but they're 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 just they're reassured. They they understand. Okay, I have the puck here, and here's what I need to do in order to generate offense. Sometimes you see that, and other times you don't. Sometimes you get the puck at the at the at the red line, and you just have no idea what they're gonna do. Some it, the the one glaring thing that I saw in in the Dallas game when put in in the three on three was when Panarin got the puck and on the blue line instead of dumping it in my guy went to the net he 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 drove to the net Ottinger made a really good save and there was a scramble on Panarin got uh Zabinajay got tripped and then Panarin got the puck he passed it to Fox and Fox did, did, did what he did and he scored that play doesn't happen if this if Panarin just dumps it or if he you know passes it back out of the zone and then the three on three kind of chokehold reignites once again. Panarin saw an opening. He said, get out of my way. I am getting a shot on goal. And he drove to the net. I want to see more of that. I, because he did a really good job in that game. And obviously Adam Fox with a absolutely tremendous goal, a beautiful goal. He Ottinger had no idea what was happening. And Adam Fox said, thank you very much. Here's a goal for us. And thank you for the two points. Goodbye. So I need to see more of that. There's, there's not a whole lot of that. You see Panarin do it. You do, you see Julian Gauthier do it. End of sentence. Like that's, that's those are the two guys that like to do it more, more often than not. And Pour you know, out for Julian Gauthier. Yeah. I mean, listen, fire. Uh, listen, I tweeted this out, and I know, I know you might not have liked it at the time, but I, Sammy Blay has put more of his teammates on IR than he's put the pucks uh, in the back of the net as as a Ranger. Fifty one games and zero goals for, but hey, one teammate on IR, so he's doing something. That's for sure. Uh, but it, like, it just goes. It all goes back to our conversation about how the Rangers drive offense at even strength on the power play. We know they're going to pass it around a hundred times. They're going to have Zabinijet at, at, at one circle waiting for the one timer. If that, if that doesn't happen, maybe Fox will shoot off the point or maybe, maybe Panarin once in a while will, will take a shot to kind of confuse everybody because he doesn't tend to do that because he likes to pass the puck a lot. Shoot. But please, I beg sometimes, but like at least we know what they do on the power play. At five okay. on five, a lot of it is just we're going to hope the pass goes through as opposed to, hey, here's a shot on goal. Go get it. All right. Let's do three stars. We'll talk about Columbus tonight. We'll talk about Boston on Thursday. We all, we both have the same three guys for obvious reasons. Fox won them the Minnesota game basically by himself. He scored the overtime winner against Dallas. Andre. Bro, keep doing what you're doing. We'll get you a better defensive partner at some point in your <laughs> tenure. If you get to go to the All-Star game, we hope you have fun. Ranger fans did a really good job of that over the weekend while Twitter voting was being counted towards the ledger. He was trending on Twitter for most of Saturday going into the poll closing. And Igor, two and a half, almost he would have had two and a half goals saved above expected on the week if the game against Montreal didn't go the way it did last night. Conceded one he probably shouldn't have. Whatever. It's a good week. These three guys, these three guys with Panarin and Zabinijad are carrying this group right now. They they need Kreider back desperately. They need something from someone else other than this group because they just don't have the horses to ride these guys. At some point, Adam Fox is not going to be able to play 28, 29 minutes every night. Okay, Andre, they got to run him more. He's got to be able to, him and Truba need to either play better or they need to get Miller a better partner so they don't put so much on Fox's plate. And I would... I understand why they're going with Halak tonight because it's a back-to-back against a bad team. But at the is same it Halak? Because I, I yeah. thought I thought Shesterkin was warming up in the starters net. I thought I saw Halak, but because it I is Halak, yeah. Mo- Molly Molly yeah. put out that it is Halak. You're right. Yeah, she I, she, I she made... just put out a second ago that it is Halak. Yeah, I I probably would have liked to have seen Igor tonight, but I get it. You'd rather have him fully rested for Thursday. That's fine. We love these three guys. Please keep doing what you're doing. This team desperately needs you. Pretty much. And the Rangers also, we didn't talk about this, but like they got LeCision from Vegas and he is a guy. He has a pulse. He literally plays the sport of hockey and that's about it. I mean, his analytics are absolutely atrocious and scouts around the league have called him the worst skater in the NHL. So that's who they got. 
in this 23 year old uh knight in sharding in shining armor in lechision i listen i if he i mean just just do something like it, as long as it's not negative fine because go gochie is not playing and there's no shot that Lechision is going to stay on this team come playoff time and all these things unless injuries happen. So it's not as I, I would very Do much not be, tempt Gerard I, I would with very a good much, time, Andrew. Yeah, listen, Do listen, not listen. Tempt him with a good time. Uh, I, I would very much hope that Lechision is not part of the, the long-term plans of this team. I understand he's 23. I understand he has room to grow. My man's is not very good at hockey. Please don't play him a lot. But they, like you said, and I agree with you, they need somebody that can hold down the fort offensively for them. Because Kreider right now, who's having a great season, both on the score sheet and analytically, he's having a tremendous season. And they they, they really miss him out there uh, uh, on the front lines. Uh, now, from now until the deadline, and I don't think the Rangers will make any big moves until closer to then, because right now they're saving every dollar they can so that they can make as many moves as they possibly can at the deadline to to go out there and then trade trade for people. But this is the team right now, and they're not generating a whole lot of offense. And with with Kreider out, that only worsens worsens the blow. And Lashijan is a, a guy, so. You Have know fun. what's interesting about Lechision? I, I found out while I was doing research before I threw out a little thing. I threw out like a 90-second thing about him last week. He suffered a major knee injury in his draft year. You would think that the Rangers, who are dealing with the after effects of a major knee injury of somebody on their team, who is was slow to begin with, is painfully slow now, and realize, hey, this guy is 23 years old. He was a second-round pick and he's 23 years old. He's played 63 games at the NHL level. He's never played more than 13 minutes in an NHL game. Maybe this is... And you, all the people are like, well, it's AHL depth. It's a, it, no, it's not. Because he he'd have to clear waivers. He would have to clear waivers to go down, and he won't clear He might clear waivers. He might not. But the only reason to add this guy was to take a chance on him, which means he's going to get an opportunity to play at some point because that's the only reason you put in the waiver claim. He's playing to tonight. Give him a chance. Yeah, I mean, they kind of weirdly got, I wouldn't say lucked into that, but I backed into that. There we go. That's the expression I was looking for. They backed into needing him because they claimed him, and the next day, Gautier got hurt, and Kreider got so, hurt during the course of the same games. Why not play Rydal? That's a great question. From what I understand, Rydell is one of the people who has the stomach bug that's been going around, and that's why they haven't used him. But still, okay. if, if that's that's what I've gathered, Andrew. That's the reason. But I would have liked to see Rydell get yeah. a run too. You have him already. It's I it's know. not it's not as if he's you know. I understand that you've you've seen him play and you've I mean you've signed him. You clearly like this guy. So why is is Lashijan who? By by scouts and you know analytics are are showing that he's a, a not a good hockey player, but just watch him play. He's very slow, and he's he's just not built for the NHL game right now. So why is he getting a shot over somebody like Rydal? Uh, if he is if he if he's sick right now and he can't play, that's one thing. But you had opportunities before that to give Rydal a shot, and you did it, and. Again, like you know, we're fighting over fourth line centers and fourth line minutes and all these things, but these are the things that add up. The 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 teams that win the Stanley Cup are the deepest teams. They're the ones where you look you look up and down their lineup and you say, "Damn, even their fourth line is pretty solid." I don't I wouldn't want to play this team come playoff time, right? Like we're we're fighting over little things. We're on the margins. But, we're but on the, the, margins, the, mar- the margins are where games are won. And that is one of the the things that really confuses me about this team sometimes is you have somebody in Gusev Rydal who by all accounts is uh, uh, at the very least a better player than Lashishin right now. So him sitting and again, stomach bug aside, Lashishin getting a shot right now when you had opportunities to at least play Rydal one or two games just to see what he's made of at the NHL level and you don't do that. It's another just confusing play by the Rangers. Why? Why? W- w- at least at least give Rydell a chance so you can see how he plays, see how he acclimates himself to the NHL level. Just 
it's January. If you're going to give anybody a shot right now at the fourth line, you give it, you give them now, but you give it to LeShugin instead. Okay, sure. All right. Uh, I mentioned them before. I was watching them play the uh, the Flyers. Rangers played the Bruins on Thursday. The Bruins are absolutely the best team in the league. They have five regulation losses all year. I think they've lost in overtime once or twice. Easily the best team in the league so far. They have probably... I would say they have one of the deepest rosters in the league. Not Maybe not the deepest, but one of the deepest. Posternock's already got 36 goals, and it's January. He's absolutely cooking. They've got depth now because Krejci came back from the Czech Republic after a couple a year over there. They're running him with Posternock and Zaka. They've got Marshawn playing with Taylor Hall and Bergeron. They've got Charlie Coyle. Jake DeBrusque is out right now, but he will come back at some point. Their defense... Little, their defense, I would say, is probably their weaker point. A good team would be able to take advantage of their, I would say that would be the one area you'd be able to take advantage of the Bruins. Their defense isn't, aside from McAvoy, nobody really jumps out. Grizzlick had a goal today, but he's always very meh. Forbort is very big. He blocks a lot of shots, but he's not the best skater. Connor Clifton is an okay hockey player, but nothing to write home about. But the Bruins are a really good team. They're playing like one of the best teams. Uh, They are on pace to I think they're on pace to eclipse the 2019 lightning in terms of standing points at the moment that is how good of a team they're playing like right now this is the biggest litmus test of the season this game this game against the Boston Bruins is going to be at MSG and we know that the the Bruins are pretty much unbeatable at home until Seattle shut them out I think it was over the weekend or, or, or early last week but they are unbeatable at home and they're pretty much unbeatable on the road as well. I mean, they are, they are uh, just an incredible Except team right in now. Arizona. That's right. I mean, Arizona. that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. Maybe, maybe watch some tape of that uh, at Gerard Gallant, but the, the, the Boston Bruins are the best team in NHL right now. So how the Rangers play against them is going to dictate how I personally feel moving forward. Because if you come in against the best team in the NHL and you lay an egg, that's that's the biggest red flag you can give me because I don't really care how you play against other teams. If you show up against the biggest team in the league and you play like trash, not not even not even that the Bruins outplayed you, but because you outplayed yourself and you just didn't play well and you you know you iced it nine times and you didn't need to you were sloppy with the puck and you you know you, the defense the defense broke down and there were. If you if you lose to yourself, that to me is going to be a massive red flag. If they come, if they lose in overtime because of a puck that bounced off of four people and went to the net, because but it was a really good game otherwise, that's one thing. You can lose a game in a thousand different ways, but it all goes down to how you play against this team. This is the biggest litmus test of the season for the Rangers and how they play, at least to me, is going to dictate how I feel about this team moving forward. I really try not to be uh, a victim of the one bad game because like, uh, and I understand like most people, I was more concerned with the Giants yesterday. That's why I wasn't too bent out of shape about losing to Montreal. They beat two good teams in Minnesota and Dallas who will probably more likely than not both be playoff teams. Dallas certainly will. I assume Minnesota will catch up over the second half of the season. They play well enough that I'm not like terribly worried, but to Andrew's point and, and talking about the big picture and all of this, they think they were a Stanley Cup team this year and they think they can probably be one next year. Play well against Boston and convince me you're a Stanley Cup caliber team. This is a, I won't say it's an easy opportunity. This is an opportunity. Seize the opportunity that is in front of you and have a damn good game. You come out tonight and we'll close on this. They're playing Columbus tonight in Columbus. I get that it's a back-to-back. I get that you're probably going to have stiff legs. You're not going to really get going until the second period. Don't let the first period sink you. You know what type of game you need to play when you're tired, when you're off a back-to-back. Take care of business against a dinged-up Columbus team that waved the white flag in late November. Columbus knows they're not going anywhere. The only reason Columbus is in these games is because there are a lot of guys on this team that are fighting to stay in the NHL or trying to stay in Columbus long-term that are young guys trying to establish themselves. This is a chance for the Rangers to come out, 
This is a get-right game. I get that they've won two out of their last three games. This is a get-right opportunity for the Rangers. Win tonight, go into Thursday feeling good about yourself against Boston, and hit the damn ground running because Boston is not going to slip up against you. A, a Stanley Cup contender is a team that can beat anybody on any, on any given night. night, regardless of, of who's on the ice or who they're playing. For the Rangers, prove it to me. Prove it to yeah. me that you are a true contender against Boston. Prove to me that you can be toe-to-toe with them, that you can fight for the loose pucks, that you can have it be a close game, that you can that you can beat this team. If you can beat the Boston Bruins, you could can, you can literally beat anybody. But if you come out and you play like trash and you get and you and the Boston Bruins skate circles around you, then you're a pretender. You're pretending to be somebody you're not. But if you come out against Boston and you show to the to Boston and the rest of the NHL, like, hey, we're a real contender. We're here. We're here to stay. And here's why. That's that would be a massive step forward, not just for me, but for the team. Like, hey. You know, you can lose to Montreal every now and again or whatever, but we showed up against the best team in the league and we beat them. That, to me, would be the biggest message that you can send to to the people in the locker room, to the fans, and to the entire league. We just played the best team in the league and we beat them. But if you come out there and you play like trash and Boston skate circles around you, um, you you cannot convince me no matter who else you beat. All right, that'll do it for another episode of the Liberty Blue Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Make sure you are subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It is on all of the major audio platforms. If you prefer video, we're up a couple subscribers on YouTube. Welcome to the community. Hello, hello, hello. Liberty Blue Pod on YouTube. Trying to get more content up there regularly, little things, minute and a half, two minute shorts, those kinds of things. Those are good for the YouTube community because we are talking a lot about this damn team. We got to get more content out there too. And make sure you are following the show's social feeds on Twitter and Instagram at Liberty Blue Pod. We'll definitely be live tweeting the Columbus game tonight, the Boston game on Thursday. Make sure you're following Andrew and I so we can push our specific agendas as opposed to the show's agenda. <laughs> the Andrew's Pavel Buchnevich agenda lives on forever. It will never die Un- until they reverse that goddamn trade. The Buchnevich agenda lives on. Andrew, David Stern's not coming through those doors to reverse the trade. <laughs> this Chris Paul will not be a Laker in this universe. I hate to tell you. Make sure you're following Andrew's Twitter account, uh, Chelny Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y. Mine, I'm at Nick Zararis, Nick, Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Those are the personals. Um, enjoy the Columbus game. We'll see you guys next week. Let's get at least three points this week. That should be our goal. Three points in two games. We'll see you guys next week. Later.